Well, this morning we're going to look at Psalm 49. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have one, we actually have one in the pew in front of you. You're welcome to use that one. But the primary concept we're going to be focusing on this morning deals with the word ransom. Now, when you think of the word ransom, what comes to your mind? If you were to look up a definition, uh, you'd probably get something like this. An amount paid or demanded for the release of someone or something from captivity. So someone has been taken into captivity. There's a ransom price put on the person. And then someone pays the price and they're freed from captivity. You know, one of the stories that initially came to my mind when I began to think about this idea of ransom happened about 80 years ago. And many of you know the story. In 1932, a child of a well-known couple was kidnapped. The 20-month-old son of a famous aviator, Charles Lindbergh, was taken from their home the evening of March 1st. And then over the next several days and weeks, they received a number of these ransom letters, which basically said, if you will give us this amount of money, we will free your son. Well, this story took a tragic turn in that their 20-month-old son, his body was found close to the house. And actually, as a result of this kidnapping, the government, the, the federal government, made kidnapping a federal crime. And so this story ended in a, in a tragic way, and yet... 30 years later, another famous kidnapping happened. Frank Sinatra's son, Frank Sinatra Jr., was staying in a hotel in Lake Tahoe. And a couple came to his door, knocked on the door, and and they were pretending to present him with this gift. And so he opened the door, and they pulled out a gun, and they took Frank Sinatra Jr. hostage, blindfolded him, put him in their car, took him away to this little place they had set up to hold him. And they put forth a ransom letter to his father and said, we want $240,000 and we'll release your son. Which in today's money would be about $1.1 million. Well, he pays the ransom and this story ends in a better way. They, They free Frank's son. And then later, these kidnappers were actually prosecuted and convicted and sentenced to short term prison sentences. And although these two stories of kidnapping take different turns, there are some components that are the same when you think of the idea of ransom. One, one component that is similar in all these cases is that someone is taken captivity. In other words, they are taken to a place where their freedom is denied and they are unable to free themselves. They cannot free themselves. So they're in captivity. The second component that is similar is that there's a price that is put on their freedom. And so you have to pay this price for this person to be free. And then the third component that is similar in these situations is that someone has to be able to come up with the money, the resources, to pay the price on behalf of the other person. And once they do that, then they gain their freedom, if the story turns out well. And the reason I share that is because the psalmist in this psalm deals with this concept of ransom. And I think as we understand that, as we move into this psalm, we'll have a better understanding of what the psalmist is saying. And we'll see how this concept that he begins to unpack here correlates with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so turn with me to Psalm 49 as I read it aloud. Verse 1. 
The psalmist starts by saying, Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of a lyre. Now, what he's saying at the front end is this. He's saying, what I'm about to tell you is for everyone. It's not just for a segment of the population. What I'm about to unpack here in this psalm is universal. It's true of every person. No matter how rich or poor you are, how smart you are, where you come from, it doesn't matter. This is for everyone. Everybody falls into this situation. He continues and he says, Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? Truly no one can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boast. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for He will receive me. Do not, do not be afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases, for when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generations of his fathers who will never see light again. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beast that perish. So what the psalmist is explaining is he is saying, we are all, all of mankind is in this ransom situation. He says we are all under this penalty of death. And in a sense, death has us captive. Death is our enemy. And our freedom to be who we were intended to be has been stripped away by that which has given death this power over us. You know, he compares death to a shepherd. You know, just as a shepherd gathers the sheep together and leads them to a certain place, so death gathers all people together and leads them to the grave. He said, this is something we're all facing. We're all under the captivity of death, which has stripped away our freedom. And so the question is, how did, how did death get so much power over mankind? Like, where did the power come from? And if you read back into the scripture in Genesis 3, you see when, when mankind began to build his life apart from God. He tried to build it on something other than God. And as he went down this journey, what happened was it ended in destruction. It fractured creation. It's what the Bible calls sin. 
And this sin, this consequence of this sin, extended to everyone, all of creation. Every man and woman and child. And so this consequence that the psalmist is talking about, this ransom situation, is actually universal. We're all subject to it. We're all in the midst of it. All mankind is subject to the enemy of death. And he uses this concept of ransom to describe it. And so this begs the question. You know, if we are in this ransom situation, we've been placed into captivity by an enemy that we are unable to overcome, then the question is, what is the ransom price and who will pay it? That's the question. And what the psalmist does here is he gives us a few ways in which mankind tries to pay his own ransom price. He says in verse 11 that the psalmist says that they called lands by their own names. And he's referring to mankind as we try to gather resources for ourselves. And then the idea is that if I just name something, something after me, maybe a field or a building or something like that, then my mortality will be extended. And I can somehow fight off the enemy of death. And the psalmist says, you can't, you can't fight off this, this enemy of death. You can't pay your own ransom through the resources that you have. He says that you know, your ambition should not be to have your name on a plaque or on a piece of stone. But rather your ambition should be to have your name written in the book of life. Another way he says that we try to fight back death is through our accomplishments and our name, our reputation. In other words, we try to enjoy the life we have now and we try to build ourselves up thinking that perhaps this will you know, keep death away and we can fight it off and extend our life. And yet the psalmist says, actually, you cannot pay your own ransom, whether it be through your resources or through your reputation. We can't fight it off. He says in verse 17, For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generations of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. He's saying, if you try to gain your security, if you try to fight off death by making a name for yourself, or gathering resources, or whatever you're going to for security and hope and satisfaction apart from God, what he's saying is, when you die, you will die just like the beasts die. And as we know, everything dies, but only man can spiritually die. And what he's saying is, the man that dies without recognizing his need for God dies just like one of the animals. In other words, he dies without recognizing his need for God. And so the psalmist says that although we may be able to increase our conveniences in this life and even enjoy life through our resources in different ways, in and of ourselves we have no power to fight against the enemy of death. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 16. He says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? 
Or what shall a man give in return for his life? And so we see the ransom price is beyond our purchasing power. We are truly in this ransom situation. We're in the situation where we, we desperately need somebody who has the resources available to pay the ransom price and who is willing to pay it on our behalf. And we see this hinted at in the psalm, in verse 15. Look what he says. He says, But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, or the power of the grave, for He will receive me. And so you see, the psalmist is trusting, not in his own resources, or in himself, but he's trusting in the ransoming power of God. And for us, on this Easter morning, as we celebrate the resurrection, we see that what, what the psalmist was forecasting and what he was seeing, though it be dimly, he saw that God was going to make a way for my life to be ransomed. And so we see this ransom finding its fulfillment in Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Jesus Himself said this, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And after Jesus was raised from the dead and He ascended to heaven to be with His Father, the church began to understand more of the significance of what Jesus was saying. And so in the letters of the apostles to the churches all around, here are a few verses that point to this idea of Christ ransoming us for Himself. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. He says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for us all. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And lastly, John, in the book of Revelation, he, he's getting a, this vision of what it's going to be like when Christ brings in His kingdom in its fullness. And this is what he writes in Revelation 5, verses 8 and 9. He says, And when He, speaking of Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and golden, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, this is their song, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. See, Jesus Christ, through His life, 
death, and resurrection provides the ransom we need to be freed from sin. And it is through His ransom and His ransom alone that we can know God personally and experience life with Him. The famous British preacher Charles Spurgeon tells the story of a pastor who was invited to visit an old man in in the hospital. And this old man invited the pastor in, but as the pastor walked in the hospital room and extended his hand to shake the man's hand in the hospital bed, the old man refused to shake his hand. And yet the, the pastor had, I mean, the old man had requested the pastor that he would come and pray for his soul. And so the pastor comes in, extends his hand, and the man doesn't take it. So nevertheless, the pastor continues on and, and talks to him about eternal life and the plan of salvation and this idea that Christ is the way to have your sin forgiven. And then he began to unpack the whole concept of, you know, what are you trusting in as you sit in this bed in the hospital, breathing your last breath? You know, what are you trusting in? And finally, the old man responded to the pastor and he said, you know, the reason I, I didn't take your hand is that under these sheets, I'm clinging to the keys to my safe deposit box. And while this man is breathing his last breaths, he could not take the pastor's hand. Now, we may not be breathing our last breaths, but we may be clinging to something other than Jesus Christ for our ransom. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ not only gave Him victory over death, but also gives victory to anyone else who is found in Him by faith. And although we may all pass through death, even the Christian, if you are in Christ, you avoid the sting of death. And when Christ returns, you will be raised up with Him, just as Christ was raised up on that Easter morning 2,000 years ago by the power of God. And so the question is, how will your ransom story end? Will you be freed? Will you be united with God in Christ? My prayer this morning for us is that every one of us, we will leave this building experiencing the freedom that comes with knowing Jesus Christ. And I pray that would be your experience today. And if you wish to talk to someone about what it means to know God personally through Jesus Christ or you're looking for a church to be a part of and grow with, I encourage you to join this church. Or if you would simply just would like someone to pray with you, as we sing our final hymn this morning, I'll be down front and I would love to meet with you and pray with you. So let's stand and let's sing our closing hymn together.